Amen and amen. Thank you, team. Glory to God. The anointing of God is in and on the house today. Amen? It's on the house today. Glory to Jesus. So, we've been in a series the last few Sundays entitled, In Him. And this is another one in the subtitle today, I have a subtitle to this message today, and it's titled, In Faith. We're in Him, and today what we're talking about is being in Him is being in faith. Being in Him is being in faith, and operating in faith, and really understanding how to operate in faith. Now, I, I want to I, I look at our foundation scripture, or at least it's one of the foundation scriptures from the last couple of weeks, in Ephesians 1, and I think it's verse 11, Ephesians 1 in the Message Bible. <clears throat> it's in Christ that we find out who we are and what we are living for. It's in Christ that we find out who we are and what we're living for. What are we here for? What are we here to accomplish? The Bible's very clear about our accomplishments coming from our faith and our confidence and our trust in the Lord. And most everybody in here this morning, probably, probably not very many people, if, you had a, if, we, if we had a crowd of 10,000 people here this morning, um, probably wouldn't be very many people that have ever seen the Lord with their natural eye. Very few people. There's been experiences. It can happen. It happens. God can do whatever He wants to do. But... God's connection with mankind is through the heart. And it's through the still small voice and us beginning to learn how to trust a voice you can't hear with your natural ear to where it becomes more real than voices you hear up here. God intended it that way. And, you know, there's a lot taught about faith and has been. I've been saved for a long time, and through the years I've heard a lot of messages on faith. And, um, and I, I, I walk away from that after many years, finding people that have walked as many years as I have, or maybe not as much, or maybe more, or whatever. But I'm astonished at how many people along the way that really don't know what faith is. They, we, they, they talk about faith, and they talk about the Word, but when it comes to living and experiencing faith, true faith, it's like, it's, it, 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 it's very, it, it becomes a, like a common thing that is not understood, but just taken for granted. I don't want faith in God to be common. 
I want to be, I want faith in God to be something that stirs me all the time. I want to grow in faith and understanding faith. So, what I've realized through the years is I've got to understand the enemies to my faith and identify those and remove those. And so, today, I want to read out of, I'm going to turn to Mark chapter 9, and we're going to read a passage here, and then we're going to look at about three different enemies to our faith. Because to be in Christ is to be in faith or trust and confidence in what Christ accomplished and what He has done for me today, what is, what is available to me today. So, in Mark chapter 9, I'm going to start with verse 14. And when he came to the disciples, he saw a great multitude around them and scribes disputing with them. Immediately when they saw him, all the people were greatly amazed and running to him greeted him. And he asked the scribes, what are you discussing with them? Then one of the crowd answered and said, teacher, this is, this is somebody in the crowd. I brought you my son who has a, has a mute spirit. And whenever it seizes him, it throws him down, he foams at the mouth, gnashes his teeth, and becomes rigid. So I spoke to your disciples that they should cast it out, but they could not. Verse 19, and Jesus answered this man, and he said, he answered this man, O faithless generation. Everybody say faithless. Faithless generation. We we live in a generation of people that, for the most part, and and I'm I'm not like looking at myself and then looking at the world and saying that the world's a bunch of faithless people and I'm the only one with faith. Okay? But we live in a world where if you take the faith that Jesus walked in, we live in a society and a world that is pretty much faithless. Not full of faith. We live in a society, in a generation that's that way. And... Um, there's a lot of word preached. There's a lot of revelation out there. But there's not a whole lot of manifestation. And I'm looking at myself. I'm not looking at anybody else. I'm not judging anybody else. I'm talking about when you leave here today, you're going to look at your life in a more honest way if you receive what I'm saying. Hopefully you take what I'm saying in the way it's intended to come forth and not in some judgmental kind of thing because I'm not looking I'm not looking at you like I've got it all together and I'm doing everything perfect and you're just faithless. I'm just talking about in general we live in a world and a society and a time a period of time where faithlessness is rampant. And yet we have more word preached today today there's more word preached around the world than there has been in years, in generations, in centuries, 
And not only word preached, but revelation. So, if you and I are to live in Him, we read in the last few weeks, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask what you will and it will be done. If we abide in that place. But the abiding is in His words. To where His word becomes words that we believe in over anything else. And if you stop and think about every day that you live, how many, if, if, if you start taking your day and going through it and thinking about how many things are spoken, how many things that you speak out of your mouth that are faithless. I'm talking about being honest with yourself. I'm talking about me being honest with myself. Because what I'm reading to you today, what I'm going to read to you today, I didn't write this. I didn't even pin this. I'm just reading it and telling you what it says. This, what I'm sharing with you today has nothing to do with me. It has everything to do with what you do with what you hear. I'm not reading this in, in such a way that I've got something that you don't have. I'm not up here to judge whether I'm walking this out or not. Now, if I'm not doing any of the things that I'm teaching you, you shouldn't be here. Okay? But I'm not looking at, at you and teaching this today like I'm doing it and you're not. I'm challenging you today to hear what I say and process this in such a way that every day you're more aware of what comes out of your mouth, how you react to situations than anything else. And that the Word becomes final authority to settle what you do, how you do it, what you say, how you respond, so that the end result can be the results that Jesus got and not just whatever will be, will be, or just whatever comes, or just you know, settling with whatever things, the way things end up. I don't want to settle with something that God doesn't want me to have. Like I said to the children's church people, when you're faithful to do something to advance the kingdom, you're helping God. God needs your and my help to walk by faith. To live in faith and not live in our emotions. And live in fear. And live troubled. And live disturbed. And all these kind of things. God intended, as Jessica said earlier, God intended for us to live victorious. And victory comes through our ability to understand how to walk by faith and live in it on a day-to-day -day basis. Because to be in faith is to be in Christ. Amen? <clears throat> so, he says this to the man. O faithless generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I bear with you? Bring him to me. Then they brought him to him, and when he saw him, immediately the spirit convulsed him, and he fell on the ground. This is the, this is the guy in the crowd's son. And he wallowed, foaming at the mouth. So he asked his father, 
How long has this been happening to him? And he said, from childhood. And often, this is the father saying this, he has thrown him both into the fire and into the water to destroy him. I mean, that, that, everybody said that's horrible. Whether you believe it or not, I'm telling you it's horrible. Think about since this, this child, since this young man was a child, he's been, these kind of seizures have been happening. He's been controlled by this mute spirit. And this thing has, has controlled his life, and, it, and it's created all kinds of disruption in the family. Anybody think that would be a disruption in your family? I imagine. So you would, in, just in the natural, have some compassion on someone like that, would you not? Yes? Notice. But if you can do anything, have compassion on us, and help us. If you can do anything, this, ma- this father who's had this son, it's been in this condition since he was a little kid, he looks at Jesus, your disciples could do nothing. If you can do anything, have compassion. Okay? So just think for a minute, if that was you, what would be your response? Oh, I can, I, c- I can help. We're talking about the Son of God. We're talking about the one that is bringing mankind and God back together. We're talking about the one that has done, to this point, has done miracle after miracle after miracle after miracle after miracle, manifestation after manifestation. If you can do anything, look, look at my, I mean, in, in Jesus' presence, this spirit is showing out. See if you can do anything about this. I mean, he's all over the floor, foaming at the mouth. I don't know if you've ever been in a situation where a demon was being cast out of somebody. It's an ugly deal, especially when they foam at the mouth. I mean, you didn't know that much foam could be in a person. I didn't until I, until I saw it one time, and I was shocked until I realized the first time I ever saw that, until I realized I had authority over that, it was right here. It was right here. And don't go looking for those kind of things. And don't, try, don't go looking to try to make something manifest and happen because somebody supposedly has a demon. Don't be looking for demons. But when they manifest, we've got the authority. Amen. So surely Jesus is going to convince this guy that he can do something for him and have some compassion. Notice the next statement. Jesus said to the Father, If you can believe, all things are possible to them that believe. What? No, we need help. And your disciples couldn't do anything about it, and you're telling me to believe? If you can have, if you can believe and have faith in what I'm telling you about this, that you have authority, see, Jesus had given his disciples authority. He'd given them kind of a down payment on what was coming after the cross. He had given them authority. And they had gone and they had laid hands on a few sick people and they'd been healed and some manifestations had happened. But this man brings this, this, uh, his son and they can't do anything about it. And so what Jesus is saying is the issue is not can I do anything. 
The issue is, can you believe that I can do anything? Now, watch these two verses and we'll come right back to this. Look at 1 John 5 and verse 4. Uh, in, in ver- the first part of verse 1 says, whoever believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. Then in verse 4 it says, whatever is born of God overcomes the world, and this is the victory that overcomes the world, our faith. Everybody say, my faith. Say it again, my faith. Okay? What, what creates the victory is my faith. Now, we're going we're gonna to define that. Who is he who overcomes the world? Okay, whatever is born of God overcomes the world. Who is, verse 5, who is he who overcomes the world? But he who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. What did he say in Mark 9, 23? If you can believe... How many things are possible? All. You mean everything? Yeah, but, but you don't understand. We just got a report from the doctor. All things are possible to them that believe. Now, hear me when I say this. I, I'm not saying that I've believed everything that I was ever supposed to believe to get a certain result. I'm just telling you what he said. Yeah, but you, you, you don't know what's going to happen because, you know, I lost my job and, and this thing and that thing. And, and, and all things are possible to them that believe. Yeah, but you don't know about, you know, where I'm at in my marriage and this situation. All things are possible. To them that believe. But why are we not in faith? Why? Because we're looking for compassion. Compassion's not the it's not the issue. It's whether I can believe or not that's the issue. Now Anybody in here could say that for th- this young man was probably in his late teens or early 20s. Anybody in here say that if this happened, this was happening constantly since he was a child, have, has anybody lived in that kind of, kind of hell with a child that there's nothing you can do? There was a woman in, in a, in a previous chapter in Mark, there was a woman with an issue of blood that had spent all of her money in 12 years. She had spent everything to be healed. And she, she, she gave all her money to the doctors. They could do nothing. And she said, if I can but touch the hem of his garment, I shall be whole. Jesus is in a crowd of people. I mean, I mean, with miracles that were happening in that day, it wasn't, there wasn't just like 25 or 30 people. There was probably thousands of people. And there were thousands of people, and they were doing this. 
and they were and 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 then over here and he's walking and he's bumping and and all of a sudden you know and, and his disciple Jesus stops and says wait 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 somebody touched me well, what I mean there's thousands of people there bumping everybody's like no 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 somebody believed and something happened twelve years no answers. Nothing, the doctors could do nothing for her. But all things are possible to those who believe in what? That Jesus is the Son of God, 1 John 5, 5. But in 4 it says, if you're born of God, you overcome the world because of what Jesus Christ did. But this is the victory that overcomes the world, even my faith. So Jesus Christ has set the victory up, but it takes me believing that what he said he did, he did. And when I believe that, that's what gives me the victory in a given situation. That's what overcomes when the world says it can't. That's what causes it to can. <laughs> Bad English, but you get what I'm saying. What the world says can't happen, will happen when I believe, not when I find somebody to have compassion on me. Now, that's kind of hard. It's not any harder than what Jesus said. See, I'm not talking about me talking like that. I'm talking about what He says. See, you don't go around talking, don't go around putting people that maybe haven't seen a manifestation under some guilt trip because something didn't work in their life. No, no, that's not our job. Our job is to believe this. And not go around me, not going around wanting somebody to feel sorry for me because of what condition that I'm in. Because the more I'm looking for compassion and sorry, I'm not believing. Again, do you hear what I'm saying? I'm not talking about me telling you this, okay? Now, there may be a word, as, as your pastor, I, there may be something that God tells me to give you, but it's going to be under the direction of the Lord in love, not something that I'm hammering you because you're not, you're not getting results in your life. That's garbage. We're not called to do that to one another. We're called to read this and experience it and receive it and apply it to our life so that we're in a state of believing and not just looking for answers. The answers are right here. Amen? All things are possible. Yeah, but, you know, you don't, you don't know, you, you've never been in this situation. No, I haven't, but Jesus has. All things are possible. Now, if it's faithlessness that is the issue, what is faithlessness? Well, the Bible's very clear to be faithless is to not be believing. So what's that? Unbelief. Everybody say unbelief. Okay? And it's funny, I, I, I was studying this word and I found two forms of unbelief. And I'm telling you, this will help you if you get what I'm saying right now. If you don't take this wrong and you listen to what I'm saying, this is going to help you. You know why? Because it helped me. 
<laughs> it has really helped me. It has really, I mean really, helped me. In the first place, the first unbelief is found in 1 Timothy 1.13. This is the first form of unbelief. There may be others, but I found these two. 1 Timothy 1 and 13. <clears throat> Look at verse 12. And I thank Jesus Christ our Lord who has enabled me. This is Paul, his letter to Timothy, first letter to Timothy. Because he counted me faithful, putting me into the ministry. Although I was formerly a blasphemer, a persecutor, and an insolent man, but I obtained mercy because I did it ignorantly in unbelief. Paul was a persecutor of the church. He was throwing people in prison and having them beheaded and tortured and mutilated because of preaching Jesus. And what happened to him? <laughs> he ran face to face into Jesus. And Jesus said, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And you know what his response was? I didn't know I was. He was in unbelief because of ignorance. You know what the good news is? <laughs> we don't have to stay ignorant. So, yeah, we can be in unbelief because of ignorance, because of not knowing things that we need to know. And I'm telling you today, the more you dig into the Word of God, and allow the Word to become revelation to you, ignorance leaves. And you know what leaves with that? Unbelief. Because now I don't have to stay ignorant and in unbelief. I can get rid of ignorance because I'm growing in revelation. Unbelief goes out the door, and what happens? I begin to walk in faith. First form of unbelief. Second form of unbelief is found in Hebrews 3.12. And, you, and the, the story here is, is about the children of Israel in the wilderness. Um, in verse 5 of Hebrews 3, it says, Moses indeed was faithful in all of his house as a servant for a testimony of those things which were to be spoken of later on. But Christ is a son over his house, whose house we are, if we hold fast our confession, Jesus was faithful to his house. Moses, faithful to his house. Moses was a type and shadow of what Jesus would do in leading us out of captivity into liberty and freedom into Christ. It was a type and shadow of that. But what the children of Israel did in the wilderness is what he's talking about here in verse 12. He said, Beware, brethren, lest there be any of you, any of you, an evil heart of unbelief. Second form of unbelief is an evil heart. I don't, don't jump to conclusions of what an evil heart of unbelief really is until we can look at it real quickly. 
He said, an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. Look at verse 19. It says, so we see that the children of Israel, in other words, could not enter into the promised land. Why? Because of unbelief. Because of an evil heart of unbelief. Now here's the thing. And if you'll catch this, You'll never feel pressured again. If you, if you catch what I'm saying right now, you will never again in your life feel pressured to know God, to understand God in His Word. You'll never feel pressured if you'll grab what I'm fixing to say here. Everybody, everybody has a heart, has, has unbelief as a result of ignorance. Every human being operates in unbelief because of ignorance, because of where we all start from. You don't know anything. So as you're, you get born again, you know, that's day one, but your soul is still talking you out of all kinds of things. So you're battling with unbelief. So what do you do? You grow in the Word. And the more you grow in the Word and revelation comes and you be obedient to do what God shows you to do, you'll see results. And what happens is unbelief goes out the door. An evil heart of unbelief is someone that has received the word, they've walked in revelation, they know who God is, but they choose to disobey. And that's what the children, they didn't enter in because of unbelief. Why? Because they disobeyed God. And they knew God. And they knew who He was in the revelation that they had. Today, in the revelation that we have, I said this earlier when I was first talking, I think the issue is, we have so much knowledge and so much revelation out there, and people know so much that it's very easy to not do what God said. And it's very easy to not spend time learning to know the voice of God so that you know what to do in, in, in every given situation. Because, you know what? I had somebody tell me this a while back. You know, God's not going to tell you to do every little thing. He's not going to tell you what pair of pants you're going to wear tomorrow. We've got a brain. We can figure things out. But what if he did? I mean, I, I agree with that. I don't think it's like, you know, okay, wear that pair of pants and that shirt, and, you know, you've got to learn to hear like that. But, but, what if God's wanting obedience out of me just to obey? Depending on where we're at in our life with God and how we've matured or not, how many when your children were little, uh, you're going to wear that pair of pants? No, I don't want to wear that pair of pants. You're going to wear the pair of pants just because I said. Hmm? And you can holler and you can scream and I'll whip your backside. I was going to use another word and then I realized where I was. No, I'm <clears throat> I, I, I I, I, I'm going to take care of whatever I need to take care of. You're going to wear the pants because you're going to learn that when daddy tells you to do something, you're going to do it. Well, you know, I, I don't talk to Olivia like that today. Olivia, you're going to play the guitar because daddy said. But what if God told me to tell her something and God wanted obedience out of her. I'm not going to talk to her like she's a little kid. But if God tells me something, I'll tell her. Like if God tells me anything about any of you, I'll tell you. 
then you have to choose to believe that what I said was from the Father. Well, you know, hey, come on, Pastor. I'm, I'm 42 years old. I don't need to be told what to do. That's our problem. There's our problem. Now, if I'm the kind of pastor that follows you around everywhere and wants to tell you every goofy little thing about you, know, that, that's, that's another thing. One day, where's Amanda? I'm going to tell a little story about the wind. Amanda was floating in the wind. No. One day I was... <clears throat> She, and she's, she's just always done this. She did this. We trained her to do this, and so she's always done this. If she's going to go somewhere, she's going to go out of town, she's going to do something, she just tells me. She's always done this with her mom and I. Dad, I'm going somewhere. I just want you to pray if there's anything, you know, that I need to know or whatever. And, you know, most of the time. And like I tell her, I don't get anything. I'm just in agreement that you hear God. That's the way it should be. She's not married yet. She's single. <laughs> but, um <laughs> She's not married yet, and so I'm her covering, right? And, and because of that, I'm, I'm her pastor, but I'm her father. And so one day, she, she said to me, she said, I'm going somewhere. She was going to, I think she was going to see Michelle in Waco or something. And uh, she has a little Kia, a little white Kia that she drives. And she said, uh, you know, I'm going to go up there. Did you sense anything? And so I, I'll always just pray. I just prayed in the Spirit. And the, and the Lord said to me, very direct, and this is maybe one of not very many times that God's ever said anything to me about what she's doing. But I heard real strong in my heart, you know what? Don't, you know, I, don't, I don't sense anything about you going, just don't drive your car, drive my Suburban. She looked at me and she said, why would I drive your Suburban? I said, I don't know. I'm just telling you, I prayed and I felt like God told me to tell you to drive the Suburban. She said, okay. So a few days went by and... <clears throat> We're at the house, and she comes into the room with her mother and says something like, you know, there's really no reason for me to drive the Suburban. I said, my little car gets a whole lot better gas mileage, you know, the whole, I mean, just natural things, you know. And uh, I said, okay, I, I'm, I'm just telling you, I prayed, and that's what God said. And so... The day she left, whenever it was, I may, I may be getting the story a little bit wrong, but, you know, I'm getting close. But the day she left, she's driving in the Suburban. She chose to do what I said, and she calls me. If I remember right, you were kind of you. There was like some, I could tell there were tears. And that day, the wind was blowing. It was howling. And, I mean, like even up to, if I remember right, 40, 50 miles an hour winds. And her little her little Kia, she'd just been blown all over the road. And she said, you know, I know why God told you to tell me to drive the Suburban. See, God knows, God knows the, the end of a situation from where you're at. You see? And she chose to do that. And, and so, as she obeyed, the blessing of the Lord was on her. She knew, you know, and, and what could have happened? What could have happened? Could she have been blown off the road and into some deal and died? Is hearing the voice of God and obeying what God says, is it a life or death issue? I say yes. And it's the reason that I think God gets blamed for a lot of things that happen because we choose, people choose not to do, I'm not saying that I've always done it right, I'm saying 
I feel like people don't choose to take the time that's needed to know the voice of God to where we can obey every single time. What if he told you, what if he told you, what if he told Tammy she shouldn't have worn that orange blouse today? She just, Tammy just wanted to be bright and everybody noticed her and all this kind of, no, she's not there. What, what if God would have told her something different? I was looking for the brightest one and Tammy had it on, so see, she wanted to be acknowledged. So, uh, so but what, what, what if God says that? What if God says, I don't want that? I mean, that's not the norm. He did give us a brain. We can figure out. We can make choices. He gave us the ability to make choices. But, but, what if he's saying, I don't want you to wear that shirt, and you obey because somewhere down the line, it could be life or death. You say, well, what, what shirt I wear is not life or death. No, but it could develop into that. See? Because here this guy says, if you can do anything. You know what the answer to that question is? It's actually already done. And it was done before the foundation of the world. The lamb was slain before the foundation of the world in the heart of God. So it was already done. That was the answer to that question. The real issue is, are you going to be able to believe? That's the real issue. So the good news is the next verse. Here's the really good news. The good news is the next verse in Mark 9. And I want to just tell you what I believe today is the definition of what this guy was really saying to Jesus. So Jesus said to him, if you can believe in verse 23, all things are possible to him who believes. Notice. Immediately, the father of the child cried out and said with tears. What did he say? Oh, I don't believe. No, he didn't say that. He said, I believe. But help me in my unbelief. Oh, man. Help me in my unbelief. Listen to me. You know what you were created for? You were created for miracles. Jessica, you did a good job today in the offering. You did a really good job because it went with what I was sharing today. You did a really good job in just talking about God coming down and saying, you know what? It's going to be all right. You used an example of a father who's a single father with five kids. It's going to be, it's, it's going to be you know why? Because all things are possible. And I used to read that thinking, yeah, all things are possible, but is everything potentially going to happen? Yeah, if I believe. Because what's possible is what's already done. And what's done? Everything. In Christ, everything is finished. It's, it's a finished thing. Everything's done. So, Nothing is impossible to those who believe, okay? So, nothing is impossible for manifestation because 
everything has already not just been accomplished, but it's all set up. God gave us the game plan, and it's set up for you to be able to receive. You and I were created for miracles. One of the definitions of a miracle is manifestation. One of the definitions of a miracle is manifestation. You were created for things to be manifested in your life. But it takes you and I believing. And if, the, if unbelief because of ignorance is there in our life, okay, let's remove it by doing what? Filling ourselves with knowledge and information and revelation. And if we have revelation and knowledge and we've let things slip and our hearts have become hardened, you know why your heart becomes hardened and you get into a, and you develop a heart of unbelief? Because the more you disobey, the harder you get. And the harder it is to get free of that. And you know where it starts? God will take you right where you're at today. You saying, you know what, Lord? Actually, I wrote this down. I wrote it down so detailed it's hard to get it out the right way. Like the man that said, I believe, help my unbelief. Let's start today admitting where our faith isn't working. Everybody. I'm talking about everybody. And, and the more, and, I, and I've noticed this in myself when I've seen these two unbeliefs, I've noticed in myself that there is just, there is, there is a daily tendency to get lazy. Where, where obedience is concerned, because it's not that big of a deal. It's not life or death. Nobody's holding a gun to your head. I mean, it's not that big of a deal. You're not going to go to jail for disobeying in this certain area right here. It's not that big of a deal. But it is. It's huge because the harder your heart gets, the more you get in unbelief, and then what you were created for, which is miracles, can't come. So when the report comes and the doctor says there's nothing we can do, Nothing is impossible to those that believe. Hmm? When a situation comes, you're working a job, you've been there for years and years, you've got retirement coming, you've got one more year, and they fire you. There's been a lot of people fired, and it hasn't been honorable because companies didn't want to have to pay retirements. And a lot of that has happened over the last few years. So what if that happens to you? Remember what Jessica said? But God said, I know where you're at, and I know what the situation is, and I will come through if we believe. Hmm? And you say, well, you know, I'm, I'm strong. Okay. So you're in the same category as this guy right here, and all of us are at one time or another. Lord, I believe. What does that mean? How many believe that Jesus is the Christ? Okay. You believe. Right? But... How many believe that Jesus can heal you of cancer? All right? 
How many could say, I believe that, but Lord, help my unbelief because I've seen so many people die of it? Okay? True. How many, people, how many have seen people die of cancer? Does that change what the Word says? It doesn't change it. But we're not called to judge people. People, pe- people will say, well, so Pastor, what you're saying is that things aren't working because I don't have any faith. No, I didn't say that. And Jesus didn't say it like you're saying it. Jesus said, oh, this faithless generation, how long am I going to have to be with it? How long am I going to have to tarry? He didn't even know when the cross was coming. Only Jesus, only the Father knew. How long am I going to have to tarry? Because if I leave here and you people don't believe, then you won't keep this thing going. We've been called to help him by keeping the kingdom moving and advancing the kingdom, causing the church to be established by being believers of what he did. And I, I don't know about you, I'm just saying today, you know what, Lord? I, I, I'm, I'm admitting where my faith has not worked. And Lord, help me where unbelief is concerned. Help me. Help me in this. God, will he, will he help you? Will he help us? Imagine but only if we're honest. We've got to be honest about what's not happening and what's not working and then move from there. And you know what? It's not that big of a deal. Just what happens is we get this evil heart of unbelief. The evil heart is because of disobedience. Because we get tired, we get lazy, we don't want to do it. See, you can be a hard worker and be lazy. Where this is concerned, you can be lazy in hearing the voice of God and doing. You, you can work, you know... Uh, 15, 10-hour shifts. And, 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 well, that's not a lazy person because he works really hard, but you can be disobedient in walking these things out and not get the fruit. It's not the works that's the key. It's the believing and then the works. I shared this in our Genesis class this morning. You may have never heard me say this before, but the last thing that Jesus said before he left was not go. It was the last thing he said in Matthew. But the last thing that Jesus said before he left was tarry. The last, the very last thing he said before he left was tarry. Why? So that you can be endued with power and then go. That was the last thing he said. The last thing he said was not go. It was, you know, maybe an hour earlier or something, whatever. But it was tarry. What does it mean to tarry? To wait, to meditate, to observe, to be impacted so that when you go, you're effective. And that's what we've been called to do. So today, you're not called to just work and make things happen and do all this kind of thing. No, you're called to do whatever you need to do to believe so that when you believe and you do, it's effective. That's the kingdom. That's the church. That's what it means to be in faith. That's what it means to be in Christ and to accomplish in the earth what Jesus accomplished. You were created. You were created today. I'm telling you, you were created for miracles.